How are you guys doing? It's good to see you. <clears throat> okay. So if you're visiting us for the first time, I do want to just say welcome. We're really, really excited that you're here today. Uh, my pastor, his name is Sam Miles, is one of the hardest working men that I know. And, you know, he is humble. He's, he's just a, a godly man. And he's been used mightily by God to invest in my life and really in the lives of most everybody that you see in this room. And so right now, he's taking a well-deserved and needed vacation, right? And so let's be praying for our pastor. He uh, just gave away his daughter in marriage. He uh, teaches in uh, our, our Bible school in the LFBI. And on top of all that, he's been leading a very healthy uh, church through a global pandemic. And so uh, let's just be praying that this time would be restful for our pastor, that it'd be refreshing, that he'd be able to, to just spend time with his family. And with that being said, uh, if you are visiting us for the first time, I want to be the first person to invite you back next week. So next week, instead of hearing me up here, you get to hear my pastor, Sam Miles. Uh, we're working through a series in Philippians right now, and it's been awesome, guys. Like, you don't want to miss it. And, and so come back. We're going to hear about Paul writing this epistle to the church at Philippi, and it's all about joy. You know, this guy, he's in prison. His circumstances wouldn't, you know, it's not what we'd assume to be joyful, but, but he is encouraging the brethren there. And as I look out at the world today, and I see all the circumstances around us that are trying to, to, to rob and to steal off of our joy, man, it's just been a timely word, and it's been really, really refreshing. And so again, you want to come back next week uh, as we get back into the series in Philippians. But this morning, uh, we're going to consider the book of Malachi. And this is where my Bible study has been uh, studying for the past few months, and it's been awesome. Like, we're, we're reading the book of Malachi, and we're saying to ourselves, like, was this written yesterday? You know, it was penned 2,400 years ago. That's a long time, 2,400 years. Like, I can't even, like I'm 25 years old, so that's a lot of me. 2,400 years ago, and still, as we're reading it, it's so applicable to our lives today, and it's eerily similar to the state that the church is in today, right? And so it's crazy to consider this fact that, that this book that was written it was the last prophetic word before Jesus Christ, right? It was written 400 years before Christ. And the times before Jesus Christ's first coming, they, they really do mirror the times before his second coming. And so it's going to be a sobering message for us. Uh, and although we won't get into the meat of Malachi's message, my prayer is that we would just truly wrestle with what it means for us to be a messenger of the Lord. What it means for us to be a messenger of the Lord. Did you know that, that if you are a Christian, if you're a believer... You've been called to be a witness. You've been called to be an ambassador of Christ. You've been called to be a messenger of the Lord. And so let's pray, uh, and then we're going to dive in, into Malachi. Lord, we thank you so much. Um, man, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for uh, using um, men of God uh, and, and women of God to deliver this gospel message uh, through generations, and, and it got to me, and I believed on it, and it saved my life, and, and it changed my course, and I'm so thankful for that. And this morning, we get to open and act, inter interact with the very words uh, that, that you've spoken, Lord. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear. Uh, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. And so, Lord, teach us to make application, be glorified, and we just want to lift up our pastors. I thank you for Sam Miles. Uh, he's been used mightily uh, to, to minister to me, and I thank you for the other pastors here on staff. 
And we just pray that, that you would bless them and continue to make them fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's find the, the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. No turning of pages. So it's the, the last book in your Old Testament. So you find Matthew and you just flip back a couple of pages. Malachi chapter 1 verse 1 says, The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. And anybody that's ever studied the Bible with me knows that I'm all about establishing context, right? The guys in my Bible study are tired of hearing me say it, but it's like the most important principle of studying the Bible is to establish context. No one likes to be taken out of context, and neither does God. And so uh, just considering this first verse, it, it actually establishes a lot of the context that we're going to need to know to get situated as we consider this letter that, that, that Malachi is giving to, to Israel, right? And so the first question that, that we have is, well, who is this message from? And the, the natural answer is, this is a message from Malachi, right? You're like, no, this is a trap. And it is a trap. This is a message from the Lord, as we continue to read, as we continue to study this book, it's very, very clear that God is speaking, right? This is a message from the Lord to his people, Israel. And so, uh, you know, it says very clearly, to Israel, and so that's without question. And so, church, is this message written to us? No, it's not written to us, right? This is written to, to Israel 400 years before Christ. And we're the church 2,000 years after Christ. And so even though this message isn't written to us, it's absolutely written for us. As we dig into it, we can glean insights and principles, and God has words for us as we study this book that was written 2,400 years ago, and it is awesome. It is awesome, and I'm praying that we would just meet God here and that we would allow him to speak with us, that we would allow him to reprove us, to, to change our course, right? And so if you came this morning, my prayer is that we're not just going through the motions of coming to church, right? That we're not just going through the motions of sitting through a message, do you know that we get to interact with the very words of God this morning? That's a big deal. And so come with expectation, even now, to hear from the Lord. He has something to say to you, okay? So, if this is a word from God to Israel, then what's Malachi have to do with this? Right, who is this dude Malachi? And I'm so glad you asked, church. That's a really, really great question. Not much is actually known about Malachi. You know, if we study uh, the Bible... He's not mentioned anywhere else in your Bible, not even in the rest of the book of Malachi, just this one verse. Uh, so, so not much is known about him, but, but clearly, based on this one verse, he is a messenger, right? God is using him to deliver a message to Israel. And so it's fitting that, that Malachi's name in Hebrew, it literally means my messenger, or messenger of the Lord. And so, as we consider this, this is a major theme that arises through the book of Malachi, is this theme of messengers. And my prayer is that all of you guys would be Malachi's. I want all of you to be messengers of the Lord. Again, we are ambassadors. We're witnesses of Jesus Christ. And so he's called you to be a messenger. And I want us to, 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 to really consider what that means for us. And as we study this book, it becomes very clear that, that Malachi is not just any old messenger. He's also a prophet, right? He has these words of instruction, of reproof, of rebuke to Israel. And what's really, really cool is that he has these prophetic insights of things that, that, that are to come. Uh, and through these words, we see the foretelling of things like the word of God being extended to Gentile nations. Like, we are prophesied in Malachi. How cool is that? At this time, where the word of God was, 
was Jewish-centric, right? It was really only in, in Jerusalem for the Jewish people to, 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 to grapple with and to engage God with. And now it's extended to the world, to the nations, that all of us can praise the Lord. Wow, that's awesome. In Malachi, we see John the Baptist. That's 400 years before he was ever born. We see this man that's coming to prepare a way before the Lord. We see the Messiah. Whoa, we see this man, the son of righteousness, coming with healing in his wings. And it's incredible. This is incredible. None of you guys are like ooing and aahing. But guys, he's predicting this literally centuries with with the utmost accuracy before they've come to be. And, And this is crazy. And it leaves us in awe. And it leaves us in anticipation of further fulfillments, right? And so what does it mean for Malachi to be a prophet? And some of you are like, man, I've been going to church since I was little. Like, I know what a prophet is. You don't need to tell me. And I would just say, slow down, right? The the things that we have a preconceived knowledge of are the things that we really need to check, right? Whenever we approach the Bible with our own lens of the things that we know, and we don't stop and allow the Bible to actually teach us the things that it's saying, right? In my Bible study, we're doing word studies right now. And, you know, conversation. Man, I think that that's just me and Jake just speaking and talking, and I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, wait, that's not what conversation means. It means a lifestyle. It means that my citizenship is in heaven, not, not here, right? And so it's important for us to, to take some time to, to slow down and, and to reconsider the things that we take for granted uh, as just basic information. Uh, for me, I grew up going to church since I was three years old, and so I was taught a lot of Bible studies growing up, right? I was taught uh, the, the days of creation. I was taught uh, Jonah. And so whenever I came to MBT, I was like, yeah, I know my Bible, you know. I know all this stuff. And then I started engaging with the very words of God and, and throwing away the things that were taught to me and actually seeing what, what God's word says. And I was blown away. Like, what? The Bible says this? Genesis is the craziest book I've ever read, right? It's crazy. And it's exciting. And so that needs to be our mentality. This week, uh, I work at a jewelry store. JJ works there, too. And this week, we lost a three-carat oval diamond. Oh, man. Oh, if you ever want your, your just stomach to drop, losing something that's worth than, uh, you know, more than everything that you own combined. Oh. So we lost this three-carat oval diamond, which is worth a ton of money. And it was lost for days, right? And it's not coming up. And, and guess where we finally found it on, was it Friday? Saturday? Friday? On Friday. And guess where it was? It's right in front of us. Like the whole time is just staring us in their face, right? And so this is just a challenge to you. Yeah, I know that some of you know what prophets are. Some of us don't know what the prophets are. But, but regardless, it's important for us to, to slow down, to actually consider the things that, that we take for granted as common knowledge, right? And so our working definition for a prophet is a man speaking the word of the Lord. It's that simple. Just a man speaking the word of the Lord. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, right? And so to Peter, the the, the prophets were were not speaking uh, their own thoughts. They they weren't pushing their own agendas. They weren't pushing their own political persuasion, right? They they were boldly proclaiming God's word. In 2 Timothy 3, it tells us that the scriptures they were God-breathed, right? They were given by inspiration of God. These holy men were, were used. God chose these holy men to declare his message, to be vessels that he could speak through. And so we see men 
from, from Exodus all the way to Malachi saying, thus saith the Lord, right? These aren't my words, thus saith the Lord. These are God's words to you. And it's important to note that Malachi is the last prophet in our Old Testament. And so why is that important to know? Well, what's really interesting about that is Malachi had the advantage of history, right? So Malachi, he'd be familiar with all the, the messages of the prophets that came before him. He'd be familiar with their stories. He'd be familiar with their reception. And, and, and contrary to how we often view the, these mighty men of God today, they weren't always received with the same enthusiasm and reverence that we give them now, right? Consider the first man in the Bible to declare, thus saith the Lord. His name was Moses. Maybe you've heard of him. And, and he had a message to deliver to Pharaoh. And his message was, let my people go, right? Let the nation of Israel, let your slaves, these people that are building your kingdom, let them go. And needless to say, this is not a popular message for Pharaoh to receive, right? There is resistance there. I consider... Uh, you know, in 1 Samuel, there was a man that was sent to deliver, uh, to deliver this message to, to God's priest, Eli. And so he, he comes to Eli and he says, Eli, both of your sons are going to die on the same day and your house is going to be cut off. You don't, you don't sound excited. That's not like fun information to receive, right? This is not an encouraging word to receive from the Lord. Both of your sons are going to die on the same day and, and your house is going to be cut off. Eli, he, he wasn't excited to receive this. And so this is the, the situation that the prophets found themselves often, right? They were frequently bringing these messages of reproof and correction to individuals and to nations that didn't want to hear it. And I don't know if you've ever had to be the bearer of bad news or if you've ever had to, to tell someone that's very stubborn. If there's any parents in here, you probably know this, right? Tell someone that's really stubborn to change their course. But from personal experience, it doesn't always go well, right? For, for me, I, I've had the privilege of, of discipling men, and, and I've had the privilege of investing in men that didn't want to be invested in. And, and that after seasons of me laying down my life and, and pouring my life into these men and giving them access to, 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 to all of me, they just said, no, nah, I'm cool. I'll just, I'll do my own thing. Oh my gosh, it hurts, right? You get to this point where it's like, is it worth it? Do, do I really want to continue investing in people that, 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 that don't care? Should I continue in this? It's hard. And this is where the, uh, the, the, the prophets were. And Paul put it this way in Galatians, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Oh, am I your enemy now? I'm just speaking God's word. I'm just speaking truth. And I think it's easy for us to focus on the miraculous nature of the prophets, on these incredible foresights that, that God gives them and forget the fact that they are simply men right? These are simply men that are bringing God's message that often would be dismissed or ignored. And, and so we see the testimony of prophets like Jeremiah, this man that's familiar with sorrow, that, that's delivering these hard messages to stiff-necked people. And we begin to, to empathize with them, right? These men that boldly declare God's word despite persecution, despite rejection. In church, I would challenge you that we've been given the same task, haven't we? We've been given the same task. We have no need to look for new revelation. We've been given the task to declare the gospel message, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This man that, that, that was fully God and yet man, he lived the perfect life and he laid down everything to forgive us of our sins and to give us new life in him. And we've been given the task to take that to the nations, to say, thus saith the Lord. And any person with the Holy Spirit, any of us that has the Holy Spirit in us, 
We can proclaim the Bible, we can proclaim this gospel message with the very same authority as the prophets, can't we? With the very same authority as the prophets. And so key point number one is that we as New Testament believers have been given the same task as the Old Testament prophets, to proclaim the word of the Lord. To proclaim the word of the Lord. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? And you say, well, how can I do that? I don't know my Bible. Well, man, let's study the Bible together. You say, well, you know, I'm at a college campus, and if these academics, if the professors, if my, my other students, if they learn that I actually believe in the creation account, they'll laugh at me. You say, my coworkers, if they actually believe that I believe that the, the Bible is true, that there's a righteous judge that judges sin and has expectations on our life, they, they won't think I'm cool if I believe that. If, if my family, I mean, my family knows the old me, you know? We can come up with, with all these excuses. And the prophets, they would have, you know, been met with the same resistance that, 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 that we have, and then some. I think of uh, Jesus in Matthew. He says, you know, that a prophet's not without honor, save in his own country, <clears throat> in his own house. And, uh, you know, we've been going through the book of Acts in our, our college class. And when you get to Acts 7, uh, there's this deacon named Stephen. And this dude, he's stone cold. This dude is awesome, right? He's like one of, the, I haven't heard him, but I've read his sermon. And it's one of the best sermons I've ever read, like hands down. And so he's bringing the heat, he's bringing the word. And he says, which of the prophets have your fathers not persecuted? Oh, that's a testimony of Israel, is that, hey, you persecute the prophets. And just a casual reading through the Bible, we can't help but see that they're off put to death. They're persecuted. They're ignored. Right? They're made fun of. Think about Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. Coming off this spiritual high, right? And this dude is an emotional wreck in this passage. And he says, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down thy altars and slain thy prophets with the swords. And I, even I only, am left and they seek my life to take it away. Oh, man. Slain thy prophets with the sword, and now they're, they're seeking to take my life. In 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 13 through 14, yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers. Right? He's sending these prophets and these seers to, 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 to deliver these messages to Israel, saying, turn ye from your evil ways, Right? It's a message of repentance. Hey, hey, turn from your evil ways and come back to my commandments and to my statutes. According to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by your servants, the prophets, notwithstanding, they would not hear. Right? They, they didn't want to hear that. But hardened their necks like the neck of their fathers and did not believe in the Lord their God. Second Chronicles 24, 20 through 21, and the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Right, he's calling them out. He's saying, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. And he's about to let them know of the consequences of this. Because I have forsaken the Lord, uh, because you have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And what was their response? They conspired against him, and they stoned him with the stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Second Chronicles 36, 15 through 16. And the Lord God of their fathers, he's so desperate, he sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people. He loved them so much. And on his dwelling place, 
but they mocked the messengers of God, right? They despised his words, and they misused his prophets. Are you starting to get the picture? And so Malachi, he's got this word from God to deliver to the nation of Israel. Can you imagine how excited he'd be to give this word after, after all of that? It's like, man, do I really have to, do, do I have to give this message, right? That's not, man, oh, how scary, right? I've got the, the, this message from the God that created everything, but, but I know these people, they don't want to receive it, right? He wouldn't have been thrilled to, to open his mouth, but we begin to understand how big of a deal it was that he did open his mouth, right? And he had the opportunity to consider the, the life, the persecution, and even the death of the prophets of the past, of what they'd suffered, and still he boldly proclaimed God's word. And so the question on the floor today is, will you? Christian, you've been afforded the same luxury, right? We've been given history on our side too. We can see that, that Jesus Christ was put to death. We can see very clearly from his teachings that he calls us to take up our cross and to follow him. We can see that he says, hey, if the world hated you, know that it hated me first. We can see the early church in Acts and see the persecution that they faced in just all of church history, right? In all of church history. We aren't hiding anything. The Bible is not hiding anything. History is not hiding anything. <clears throat> so what will be your response? Will you open your mouth with this gospel message, knowing that so many people don't want to receive it? Malachi did. He boldly proclaimed, thus saith the Lord. And it's time for us to truly consider what, is in, what, uh, what it is to be a Christian, right? What, what, what does it mean to have a Christian walk? What are we going to be about? We've been given a message to declare to the world. Have you truly counted the cost of that? If not, I mean, we just cost discipleship, right? We, we need to count the cost of this. <clears throat> are you in or are you out? This is what me and Lisa have been talking about, like, for the past months. We're, like, we want to reach Kansas City. And so this is what we obsessively talk about, is, man, how can we reach Kansas How can we reach this demographic of people? Like, they need the gospel, and how can we get there, right? Um, key point number two we as New Testament believers have the same task as the Old Testament prophets to speak truth amidst persecution and opposition. Will you? You know, I think about the message that we've been given. I think about even our studies. Like I'm reading the book of Acts and I see these men that are hazarding their lives for the sake of the gospel. Oh man, I'm looking at Malachi and I'm seeing this theme of messengers arise, right? Malachi, the, 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 the priest of Levi, uh, John the Baptist, Jesus Christ. And man, like it, it, I can't help but, but speak. Like it's getting me pumped up, right? I, I need to say something. So we've established that this is a message from the Lord, that the messenger is Malachi. Now let's consider the recipient, right? This is a message to Israel. And so if we consider the context of this, uh, Malachi would have been a contemporary to, to Nehemiah. And so this was written in, in what scholars call the, the post-exilic period, right? These are Israel coming out of captivity. They start with Zerubbabel, and we see as we read through Ezra that they uh, reestablish the temple. Uh, we see in, in Nehemiah them building up the walls so that they can defend themselves. And we see that the nation, they're repentant and they're humbled before the Lord, right? We, we read these incredible passages in Nehemiah where, where they're opening up the, the, the Bible. They're opening up the, the, the book of the law before the people and, and, and preaching from a wooden pulpit. And, and man, these people, they're, they're, they're broken, right? They're humbled before their God and they're repentant and they want to be right with them. 
But by the end of Nehemiah, by Nehemiah chapter 13, we see the backdrop of the time that Malachi would be speaking into, right? Uh, turn with me to, to Nehemiah chapter 13, and we see that the state of Israel has backslidden. And we're just going to skim through the passage to get a picture of what state Israel is in when Malachi is pinning this message. In verse 4, it says that Eliashib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah. That's bad news. And he had prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offering, the frankincense, and the vessels, and the tithes of the corn, and the new wine, and the oil, which, had, uh, that, which was commanded to be given to the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the offerings of the priest. But by verse 10, Nehemiah perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, for the Levites and the singers uh, that did work were, were fled everyone to his field. But by verse 15, in those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath, and bringing in sheaves and lading asses, as also wine, grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. Verse 17, then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, what evil thing is this that you do and profane the Sabbath day? Verse 18, did not your fathers thus and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon the city? And yet you bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath day. By verse 23, in those days saw I Jews that married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. These strange gods, right? And their children spake half the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. And I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hairs. How angry do you have to be out of someone to just pluck off their hairs, right? Ah, oh, man. But this is the state of Israel. The, the priests, these are the men that are supposed to, to, to be spiritually serving the people of God. They're supposed to be serving Israel spiritually. They're supposed to be examples within the community. And, and they're corrupt, and they're seeking for their own stomachs, right? The people, uh, they're, they're, they're withholding their tithes and offerings from the Lord. The, the, the people, they're profaning the Sabbath day. They're marrying strange wives, these women of, of other gods. This is the context for the book of Malachi. And Malachi had a message to rebuke them and to point them back to their God who loves them. To point them back to their God who loves them. And so Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 says, The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Did you know that the word of God gives a burden to the man of God concerning a people? The word of God gives a burden to the man of God concerning a people. And this is what we see happening in the life of Malachi. The word of the Lord was burdensome to him. It was heavy. This is beautiful, Right? But let's take some time to be introspective, to consider for ourselves what is the burden of your heart, right? Like I said, you know, if we're coming today, we actually have to engage with the word. We have to allow it to, to take application in our lives. And that means that we can't be passive listeners. Man, what is the burden of your heart? What is the burden of your heart? Is it your family? Is it your, your work? Is it the debt that you're in? Is it something that, that, that seems reasonable? Like the, the tension of this country. Man, I look out and, it's, man, it's broken, right? Is it the, the, the racial injustices that we see happening often? Is that the, the, the burdensome thing in your heart? Malachi's burden was the word of the Lord to Israel. And if we're going to be effective, with, if we're going to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ, it's not enough just to have a message, you know? Man, 
You know the gospel, that's awesome. Man, man, you can take someone through Romans Road. That's great. I'm not, that's, that really is, that's awesome. We need to know that. But like Malachi, we must be burdened by the message that we carry. It's not enough to just know the message, but we actually have to be burdened by it. Man, is your heart to deliver this message to people that, 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 that surely have no hope, right? Um, Eric discipled me, and so I feel like I have to fit a passage from Jeremiah into every sermon I preach. <laughs> and so uh, in Jeremiah chapter 20, there's this awesome passage, right, Eric? Amen. Amen. <laughs> and we see in, in verse 1 that now Peshur, the son of Emmer, the priest, who was also the chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things, and he's not happy about it, right? And so Peshur smote Jeremiah the prophet, and, and he put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord, right? He, he's suffering all this persecution. Jeremiah, he's preaching, thus saith the Lord. He's proclaiming God's word, and he's catching all this flack for it. And it gets to the point where he continues to speak God's word, and at one point, he's like, man, is this worth it, right? And in verse 17, he says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him. Whoa nor speak any more in his name. But his words, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. And I could not stay, right? So, so Jeremiah got to this point where he, he's determined, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I can't proclaim God's word anymore. This is too much, right? I'm no longer gonna speak in this name, but his words, right? But God's word was in his heart as a burning fire shut up in his bones, and he could not contain it, y'all. He, he couldn't help but speak God's word. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it tells us that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart speaketh, right? Uh, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure, uh, treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For uh, of the abundance of the heart a mouth speaketh. And for Jeremiah, God's word was in his heart. And he had no option but to, to let it come out. And, and this is why we are instructed to meditate on this book of the law, on this word, day and night, right? We're to, to, to hide it in our mouth, to, to, to write it upon our heart, to, to bind it about our neck. God's words are precious. And his word is what does the, the propelling into ministry, right? His word is the thing that's going to propel us into his work. And this is why in Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us to be filled with the Spirit, right? Because if the Spirit is in us, then certain things come out of us. We, we start speaking to, to, to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then when we get eyes on Colossians chapter 3, and we see that being filled with the Spirit is synonymous with being you know, filled with the word of God, letting this word of Christ dwell in you richly in wisdom. And because, again, if the word is in you, it, it can't help but work its way out of you. And so you start teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord because you can't help it, right? Because you can't help it. 
And so church, if you have placed your faith in the finished work of Calvary, then God's called you to be a messenger. That's what comes with it, right? He's called you to a work. And the problem is that so many of us have decided that we will not speak anymore in his name. And church, I can accept being weak, but, but I can't accept not being willing. God has saved us, and now he desires for us to be useful for eternity future. He wants to make you useful, right? That's one of the marks of a disciple, is that he is useful for Jesus, right? And he has given us the most beautiful message in the world to share, that we might set before this lost and dying world life and good and death and evil. And our job is not to, to force this message on anybody, right? It's not to force people to receive truth, but simply to give it out freely and abundantly with love. And so if you haven't shared the gospel this week, then why not? It's the only thing the man that, that, that's changed your life, that, that, that's called you to life, has asked you to do. Why not? Church, our witness is directly tied to our relationship and our intimacy with God. If you go to, to my workplace, um, man, everybody I work with, they, they know my wife, right? Uh, that my, my clients, they know my wife, uh, even if they hadn't met her. They know her because I love her. And so, you know, if I'm going to talk about anything, well, why not talk about my wife? Because she's awesome, right? And so they know where she works. They, they, they know that she speaks Spanish. They, they, they know that, that, that she can sing amazingly. They know her personality. They, they probably know more about my wife than they know about me because I'd rather talk about my wife than talk about myself, right? <laughs> but, man, shouldn't that be true of our relationship with God? Right? Oh, man, I've just been since so, so much time in his word. And it's been awesome. I've been reading the book of Malachi, and I see this theme of messengers. Or, and I just can't help but, but realize that God's called me to be a messenger too. And he wants me, just like John the Baptist prepared the way before the Lord, that, that, that Jesus is coming back. And so I've got a message of repentance. To bring. Like, I can't help but say this because I've been spending time with God, and I just want to talk to you about it because he's awesome. And do you know his character? Like, this dude laid down his life for you. Because, wow, I've never met a man like this before, Right? And so we can't help but talk about this, this man because he changed everything, right? If you really gave the time to consider your life, eternal life, if, if you really reckoned every day the gospel, the fact that he died, that he gave up everything to, to win you back, I couldn't help but share that. But now God said, please share this message, and we don't, you know, in, in the gospel accounts. Uh, be, before his death, burial, and resurrection, we see Jesus going around, and he's performing miracles, right? These dudes just laid out, they're, they're dead, and he just, like, brings them back to life. No big deal. Or, or these, these dudes that, that are, uh, they're, um, they can't walk, right? They, they can't walk. And so he goes up and says, you know, come forth, stand. And next thing you know, they're, they're jumping around, and, well, I can walk now. Like, it's crazy. Their lives were changed. And, and, and for a lot of them, he'd pull them aside and say, hey, you know what I just did here? don't share that. My, my time's not yet, right? Just don't share that. And next thing you know, they're out telling everybody, hey, look, you know, I can walk. Look at this. They can't help but share it because their life was changed. And now God, he's done the incredible work of changing our lives, of giving us life. He says, hey, I want you to take this message and to share it with the world because I want to do the same thing in their lives. And we say, nah, no, I'm good. You know, I, I, I really don't know how they would receive that. You know, I, I'm scared. I don't know what I would say. 
maybe that your life's transformed because you met this dude, Jesus, that, that, that you know, giving you hope, you know? I don't know what I would say. In John chapter 4, we see this Samaritan woman, and she encounters the Messiah, and she's just left in awe. She's astonished. She, she, she runs back into the village, right? And she's screaming. She's telling. She's pleading with the people, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Messiah, right? Is not this the Christ? Is not this the man that we've been looking for? She's saying, hey, I don't really know what to say either, so just come and see for yourself, right? Meet this person, Jesus. If you don't know what to say, man, just invite them to study the word of God with you. Invite them to church. Invite them to Bible study. Man, come see a man. In Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 20, we see Peter and John. They're on trial for boldly proclaiming in the name of Jesus Christ. And they're commanded not to teach in his name anymore. And their response was that they cannot but speak the things which we've seen. We can't help it. Like, if you saw, you can't, you can't help it, right? And so church, we will never boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel until it is the burdens of our hearts. We will never truly proclaim. We will never be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ until that is the burdensome thing of our hearts. I don't care how studious you are. I don't care about your ability to to break down this passage in an expository way. I don't care that you spent five hours in the Bible. Man, praise God, I I, I do hope that, that you're spending time in the Word. But I care about the Word of God being in you, right? I want it to be in you. I want you to be steeping in it so much that it can't help but work its way out of you. So church, what's the burden of your hearts? It's not rocket science, right? Because the burden of our hearts is the thing that's coming out of us. Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it jealousy? Is it insecurity or fear? Key point number three. For us to boldly proclaim the word of the Lord like the Old Testament prophets, God's word must be the burdens of our hearts like the Old Testament prophets. And as I've been surveying the minor prophets, just to to see this phrase come up over and over again. In Nahum chapter 1, verse 1, the burden of Nineveh. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1, the the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 1, the the burden of the word of the Lord. Chapter 12, verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. Right? When we consider the work that Jesus Christ did, it, it sobers us up, right? It motivates us to spend time at his feet. Let this motivate us to, 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 to boldly proclaim, thus saith the Lord. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I love you guys dearly, and I'm so thankful for these testimonies of the prophets. Uh, you know, but we've been given the tradition, right? We must continue this tradition of boldly proclaiming his word. And we must proclaim in the face of opposition. We must seek the Lord and pray that his word would be a fire deep within us, within our bowels, right? In our hearts, something that, that can't help but work its way out of us. And, and, and man, Malachi has been a refreshing message to me and it's pointed me back to that. Uh, and uh, as we close, I'm just gonna ask you to, to bow your heads, uh, to, to close your eyes. And if the the worship team wants to come up. If you realize that you've never responded 
to this message that, that you hear me just talking like a madman about. When, when I say that, 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 you know, I've got good news, the, the greatest message that God's asked us to declare to the world, and, and you've never responded to that, w- would you just raise your hand? I would just like to, to pray for you. If this sounds unfamiliar, if this is a foreign idea to you, uh, would you just mind raising your hand? I would love to pray for you. Yes, I see you. Okay, if you recognize that the burden and the zealousness of your salvation has worn off, if you recognize that this zealousness, this zeal for the word of God to to proclaim it to men has worn off, uh, would you mind raising your hand? I I just want to to pray for you. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you in the center. I see you. Yes, I see you in the back. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, But as we close in praise... I would challenge you uh, to, to come to the front. There's going to be uh, leaders up front that would love to meet with you and to counsel with you, uh, to get accountable to, to studying God's word, to lay out how you could receive the, the best news that you've ever heard in your life, uh, a message that has the power to, to give new life. And so, Lord, uh, you see everybody that's raised their hand. Uh, we, we, we receive this message from Malachi, and we're in awe that, that this man would boldly proclaim your word, knowing that it would cost him everything, And we acknowledge that you've called us to lay down our lives doing the same thing, Lord. And so if we're not, then why not, Lord? We pray that you would stir up in us just a burden for your message to take it to the uttermost, Lord. And for those that are here today that raise their hand and say, man, I have lost that zealousness. I have lost just the zealousness of my salvation. Lord, I pray that they would be comforted and refreshed by your word. Uh, that they would get accountable in studying it, and not just studying it, but living it out. Uh, Lord, we, we pray for new life today. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.